This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. A good Wednesday morning. The nation's still bracing for news from a New York grand jury. A historic decision possible at any time. It is March 22nd. This is today. Reconvening that grand jury in New York meeting again today. Do prosecutors have enough evidence to charge Donald Trump? And what could the legal and political fallout be? A live report from the courthouse straight ahead. Uncertainty, the Federal Reserve facing a key decision today on whether to raise interest rates to control inflation, now clouded by those historic bank collapses. We'll have the very latest in the impact on your bottom line. New twist, the unsolved death of Buster Murdoch's high school classmate being investigated as a homicide. What police are saying this morning about the search for answers in the nearly decade-old case. On the move, severe storms, including possible tornadoes taking aim at the south, while out west, even more rain and millions facing new flood warnings. Owls tracking it all. All that plus the AI revolution, our inside look at the newest technology able to handle all aspects of your life, even cut down on your bills. $100. We went from a $20 discount to a $100 discount in seconds. What happened when our correspondent Jake Ward let AI control his life for a whole day? And deep water, a group of friends stranded on the high seas, miles from shore after a massive whale collided with their boat. It was just a very violent impact with some crazy sounding noises and the whole boat shook. Just ahead, the frantic text as their boat was sinking and the remarkable chain of events that led to their rescue and one whale of a tale to tell today, Wednesday, March 22nd, 2023. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Cuppy. Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to you today. Nice to have you along with us on a Wednesday morning. Craig's helping out. Hoda's yeah. enjoying vacation. Weather's a big story across sure. the country. Al's got his eye on severe storms on the move. They could produce tornadoes over the next few days. He's got the full forecast just ahead. But we are going to start once again this morning with the New York grand jury responsible for deciding whether to vote to indict Donald Trump over alleged hush money payments they're reconvening today. The NYPD bracing for a possible decision, stepping up security, ordering officers to be prepared for deployment. NBC's Garrett Hake is on the story again for us outside the district attorney's office in lower Manhattan. Garrett, good morning. Hey, Savannah, good morning. Yeah, Mr. Trump's stunning weekend prediction proved wrong. No arrest or indictment on Tuesday. But the grand jury that will make those decisions meets again today, and they could be on the verge of an historic choice. In New York City, former President Donald Trump's legal future is in the hands of a grand jury set to reconvene today on the verge of an historic decision, weighing whether to indict the former president for his alleged effort to keep an extramarital affair a secret by paying hush money to adult film actress Stormy Daniels. Ahead of a possible indictment, law enforcement officials are bracing for protests, stepping up security. 
Former President Trump also preparing for the optics of a potential indictment. The New York Times, citing friends and associates, says he is ready and welcomes the idea of a perp walk and even, quote, mused openly about whether he should smile for the assembled media, adding that he has pondered how the public would react and is said to have described the potential spectacle as a fun experience. Those close to him also telling the paper that no one is quite sure whether his remarks are bravado or genuine resignation about what lies ahead. They're not coming after me. They're coming after you. I'm just standing in their way. The possible prosecution by Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg could center on a $130,000 payment that Mr. Trump's one-time fixer, Michael Cohen, says he made to Stormy Daniels on behalf of then-candidate Trump in the heat of the 2016 campaign to buy her silence about claims of an affair with Mr. Trump a decade prior. The former president denies any wrongdoing. Hush money payments are not illegal under state law. Any potential indictment could rest on how the payment was accounted for. A possible misdemeanor case or an illegal gamble, Bragg could pursue a lower-level felony. I'm holding out hope that justice will prevail. And if that happens, then there will be no charge because it's a case that will die on the vine. Top Republicans attacking the Democratic DA's possible case as politically motivated. I think in your heart of hearts, you know, too, that you think this is just political. Garen, so the grand jury reconvenes today. There could be a vote on a possible indictment. If that were to happen, then what would the next steps be? If the grand jury hands up an indictment, Mr. Trump's attorneys would be expected to negotiate his surrender. And then, accompanied by the Secret Service, he would go through a process similar to anyone else who's charged with a crime in New York City. He'd be processed in the building behind me, he'd be fingerprinted, have his mugshot taken, and eventually enter a plea, an arraignment in open court. He'd then be released with the court date to come back. But Savannah, I think the caveat to all this is we have never seen someone with Secret Service protection, a former president, go through any of these processes. It will be historic if it happens, Garrett. Thank you very much. Turning to the economy now and the new challenges facing the Federal Reserve as it meets today to decide whether to raise interest rates once again. The U.S. Central Bank walking a a risky tightrope of sorts between the ongoing push to rein in inflation and the current turmoil in the banking industry. NBC's business reporter Brian Chung joins us now to break it all down. So let's start there. Try to read the tea leaves for us here with the turmoil in the banking industry that we've seen over the last few few weeks. Do we think that's going to affect the Fed's decision at all? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Craig Savannah, it's a really interesting situation here because prior to all the banking issues, it was really a one-track mind for the Federal Reserve, the steward of this economy, which was raise interest rates to make inflation go down. We've all been feeling the pinch at the store. But what complicates things is that one of the reasons for why Silicon Valley Bank failed, it's not the entire reason, but one of the dominoes to fall was higher interest rates. So if you're the Federal Reserve, you're stuck between this rock and a hard place of if you raise interest rates too fast, you risk breaking another bank. But if you don't raise interest rates fast enough, then you don't take care of inflation, which is the reason why a lot of Wall Street analysts say, okay, well, we're predicting that they'll go by the smallest increment that they could do in raising interest rates, which is a quarter point. That's the expectation this afternoon. A quarter point. That's They're the, looking exactly. for the Goldilocks just right. Right, just yeah, in threading the, the needle. Yeah, but what? how about inflation? I mean, these rate hikes, this would be the ninth rate hike in a year if it happens, yeah. which is unprecedented. 
Are they working to tame inflation? Yeah. Well, I mean, look, this is the fastest that the Federal Reserve has ever moved to raise interest rates since the 1980s when we saw hyperinflation, right? So, and by the way, that's one of the reasons why the banks were not prepared. At least Silicon Valley Bank was not prepared. But inflation, as you mentioned, it got up to levels that we saw also uh, not since the 1980s. 9.1% was the peak that we saw in the summer of last year. It has gone down a little bit at a yearly rate. Now it's somewhere closer to 6%. But economists say where we really want to be is somewhere closer to 2%. Uh, so from 9 to 6, okay, that's great, but it's not yet mission accomplished, which is why the Fed says, look, we have to continue to raise interest rates to try to deliberately take steam out of this hot economy. But again, that mission is not yet done, and it's coming at a time when there's some serious shitters and, in the banking. And there's a lag time, too, between when they lower the, or raise the interest rates and when the impact it takes and inflation time. is felt. It takes time to bleed through the economy. Not an easy job. No, not at all. <laughs> Brian, thank you. We move now to that crucial meeting in Moscow between Russian President Vladimir Putin and China's Xi Jinping. The two leaders pledging today to expand their economic ties in energy and high tech. They said they would develop military cooperation and conduct more joint sea and air patrols as well. There was no mention, however, of China supplying weapons to Russia, a prospect that the U.S. and other Western allies had feared. The meeting ended with no peace plan for Ukraine or even a ceasefire proposal. Now to the latest on a disturbing case in Virginia. Newly released surveillance video shows a man's final moments after he was restrained by sheriff's deputies and staff inside a mental health facility. The 10 people involved facing second degree murder charges indicted by a grand jury yesterday. NBC's Katie Beck has details now and her emotional conversation with the victim's mother. Katie, good morning to you. Good morning, Craig. Ivo Otieno grew up just a few miles from here, a community that his mother says is now grieving his loss. She sat down with us for an emotional interview yesterday, describing how she felt when she first saw the video you're about to see. We want to warn our viewers, it could be disturbing to watch. From start to finish, they failed. Fighting back tears, the mother of Ivo Otieno telling us she believes a group of sheriff's deputies and hospital workers murdered her son. She says the 28-year-old had a history of mental health issues and just needed help. When they took him into the hospital, I expected him to be taken care of and to come back home to us. The final moments of his life captured on surveillance video March 6th, when he was transferred from Henrico County Jail to Central State Hospital in Dinwiddie, Virginia. In the video, which is silent, you see a shackled and handcuffed Otieno led into an admission room. Minutes later, deputies and staff pile on top of him, with 11 minutes going by before he appears unresponsive. Staff at the hospital and later emergency responders are seen attempting to revive Otieno. You're responding for a 28-year-old male that is not breathing. CPR is in progress. Otieno dying about 90 minutes after arriving at the hospital. Prosecutors have said state police investigators were told Otieno had become combative during admission. Following the release of the surveillance video, a defense attorney for one of the charged hospital workers asked a judge to impose a gag order to prevent any further evidence from being released, arguing it could taint a potential jury pool. In this day and age, there's no way to unring those bells. Otieno's mother says she feels some relief that the video is public, arguing transparency is needed for justice. What's next for you in this journey? I want justice for my son. 
I want those monsters, those animals that treated him so wrong and squeezed the life out of him. I want them brought to justice. Now, NBC has reached out to the defense attorneys for all 10 defendants in this case. One attorney told us his client is innocent. Another said he's looking forward to his day in court, and several others didn't respond to our request for comment. We also reached out to the Henrico County Sheriff's Office for comment. They, too, did not respond. At last check, those seven deputies were still on administrative leave. Craig? Katie Beckforce there in Virginia. Katie, thank you. Los Angeles public schools will be closed again this morning. 30,000 service workers walked off the job yesterday for a three-day strike against the nation's second largest school system. Custodians, cafeteria workers, bus drivers, and other staffers are seeking higher wages and better working conditions. Negotiations are at a standstill, and there are no new talks scheduled. Well, now, a really astounding rescue at sea. A group of friends trying to sail across the Pacific Ocean, lucky to be alive this morning after a giant whale crashed into their boat just days into the trip. NBC's Sam Brock has this whale of a story. Sam, this is pretty remarkable. It is, Craig. I mean, this whale hit their boat. It didn't just strike it. It hit the boat at the exact right spot to rupture the propeller, shatter the fiberglass that's around it, and send that vessel sinking into the ocean. Now, those four friends who were aboard fired off, Craig, maydays and text messages as they were trying to activate a dinghy and a life raft. It took 15 minutes for the boat to sink. Nine hours they were waiting on open water. Thankfully, they were rescued alive and well. From aboard the boat that came to his rescue. My initial thought was, that. <laughs> Rick Rodriguez describes a sensation that was unlike anything he'd ever experienced as a sailor. It sounded like something broke, and uh, we immediately looked to the side and saw a really big whale bleeding. Four friends were sharing a pizza about a week ago on their long-awaited sailing excursion to Polynesia on board the Rain Dancer, when that initial jolt quickly forced them to snap into survival mode. It was just um, an incredible amount of water coming in. I felt like it was just a scene out of a movie, like everything was floating. At once, Rick sent on a mayday call to authorities and sent text messages to his brother Roger in Miami and friend Tommy Joyce, who was sailing a buddy boat in the area, specifically there for safety. Tommy, this is no joke. We hit a whale and the ship went down. We're in the life raft. We need help ASAP. What followed was a digital version of telephone involving texts, WhatsApp messages, the U.S. Coast Guard, and the Peruvian government. But as the friends anxiously waited on an inflatable life raft and dinghy, a sign of hope. And then I posted on uh, Facebook's boat watch, and it was the boat watch group that ended up uh, having somebody on there that knew a sailing vessel rolling stone think about 60 miles 65 miles away when we realized that we were the closest boat nine hours later that boat named rolling stones pinpointed their exact location and scooped up the four sailors we saw them so far out and then we realized we we're still like an hour and a half away from them but for that hour and a half we were really really excited for this confident group there was never any doubt they'd survive even in rough waters this experience made me realize how, uh, you know, how capable we are and how, um, how skilled we are to, to manage and cope with situations like this. 
And in another twist of fate in this incredible rescue, guys, the Rolling Stones crew happened to arrive at night, which allowed them to see the light on the dinghy bobbing up and down. Otherwise, they may not have seen it. And those friends say at this point, their passports, they're out in the ocean. They have no clothes either, but they are lucky right now to just be alive. And yes, Craig, as you said, they have a whale of a story for generations. Oh, right. Yes. Savannah, back to you. That's what a story, Sam. What a story, man. So many things had to go right, too. I know. They call it a fish story when it isn't true, but yeah. that one is incredible. And the texts tell, text tell it all. All right, let's get our first check of the weather. What you got your eye on? Of course, we didn't get the whale's end of the story. He wasn't very happy. But <laughs> anyway, uh, we've got flood watches, flash flood warnings from California all the way into the southwest. Again, this system that came on shore uh, and caused massive problems for California actually was a officially a bomb cyclone. That's how bad it was as this system comes in. 12th atmospheric river, heavy morning rain. They may see another one to two inches, especially in Southern California. The system continues to move east. It's going to really start to develop. But in the meantime, a secondary low pressure system brings some snow to the upper Midwest. Rain will spread across the Ohio River Valley. Now, here comes that storm system that caused all the problems in California. Rain showers in the northeast for tomorrow, but the severe threat is down through the south. About eight million people stretching from St. Louis down through Dallas into the south. Wind gusts, brief tornadoes possible. Then we move on into Friday. More heavy rain starts to develop as this system tracks to the east. The flood threats likely from Ohio to Arkansas. 16 million people at risk for severe weather down from the lower Gulf into the mid-Mississippi River Valley. Damaging hail could be some wind gusts, tornadoes, as and heavy rain locally up to five inches of rain stretching from Spring, Springfield to Columbus, Ohio. And we've got a moderate risk of flooding. Cape Girard Evansville, probably right along the mid-Mississippi River, we are going to be looking at some really heavy rain, and we could see some flooding as well. And that is your latest weather, guys. All right, Mr. Roker, thank you so much. Still ahead here on a Wednesday morning, Alec Murdoch's son, Buster, back in the spotlight this morning. Police now saying publicly the death of his high school classmate is a homicide case. We're going to have the very latest and then an eye-opening look at the AI revolution from cooking to challenging parking tickets and medical bills, how artificial intelligence is already impacting everyday life and what to watch out for when you try to use it. But first, this is today on NBC. What could go wrong? Neither have I. And I think that's When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is Constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash today. Just go to Indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash today. Conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
It's 7.30. Chanel is here. All right. We are going to start this half hour, though, with some new details from South Carolina surrounding the unsolved death of a former classmate of Alec Murdoch's son, Buster. Yeah. Authorities acknowledging publicly for the first time that they are, in fact, investigating the case of Stephen Smith as a homicide. NBC's Blaine Alexander joins us with the details. Blaine, good morning. Well, guys, good morning to you. That's right. Stephen Smith's death was brought back into the spotlight as part of the investigation into the murders of Alec Murdoch's wife and son. That's when evidence prompted police to reopen the case. Now, Smith's family has spent years searching for answers. Sled this morning says that the investigation is open and ongoing. And meanwhile, for his part, Buster Murdoch says he has adamantly denied any involvement in Smith's death. This morning, a heartbroken mother may be one step closer to answers, eight years after the mysterious death of her teenage son. Overnight, the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division, known as SLED, confirms to NBC News Stephen Smith's death is being investigated as a homicide. Based upon their review of the forensic evidence, that they too are convinced that this was not a hit and run, that this was something more. According to lawyers for Smith's family, SLED has also agreed to work with them and participate in exhuming Stephen's body for a private autopsy to gather more evidence. It's all validation for Sandy Smith, who told us before the news she never believed her 19-year-old son's death was an accident. In my heart, this was not a hit and run. I think he was murdered and I just need the proof. Smith's body was found lying in a rural South Carolina road back in 2015. State investigators initially ruled it a hit and run, and no one has ever been charged. In June of 2021, SLED reopened the case based on information gathered during the course of the double murder investigation of Paul and Maggie Murdoch. The agency has not said what that information was. A Netflix documentary raised the possibility of a relationship between Smith and Buster Murdoch. In a statement to NBC News this week, Buster Murdoch calls the rumors baseless and denies any involvement with Stephen's death. No one in the Murdoch family has been implicated in Smith's killing. The new development comes just weeks after Alec Murdoch was sentenced to life in prison for killing his wife and son. Lawyers for the Smith family say they believe that frees up more police resources and they hope will encourage more potential witnesses to come forward. Someone's soul is burdened with this information and whoever that person is, I'm telling you, talk to SLED, call us, put this weight down. A hope shared by Sandy Smith, still desperately seeking the truth. I'm a mother. I need answers. Plain, I mean, this is a reopened case. Do we know what facts or evidence prompted authorities to investigate this now as a homicide? Well, Savannah, we do not. We don't know exactly what evidence authorities have. But according to lawyers for the family, they say that SLED said that their team does have enough evidence to investigate this as a homicide. Now, for Sandy Smith, the road to those answers starts with a private examination of her son's body. Now, of course, a judge does have to rule for this to take place, Savannah. All right. Blaine Alexander, thank you very much. A couple of years ago, I interviewed uh, Stephen Smith's mother, and I asked her, uh, because at the time she was convinced that her, husband, that her son had not died, uh, the way that authorities said. Mm. I said, well, what, what, what gives you this, 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 this certainty? And she's like, 
mother's intuition. Mm-hmm. I just know. Because it was initially ruled a hit and run accident? Right. Okay. Exactly. And she knew exactly. it wasn't she, an accident. This was two years ago. Wow. So. Okay. All right. Well, coming up, disturbing new details in the case of a Colorado dentist accused in the poisoning death of his wife. What investigators are learning from one of their last text exchanges. First, though, Jake Ward is here in the studio because he is going to take us inside the AI revolution after he let that technology take over his daily routine. That's right. I can tell you from experience exactly what you can and cannot trust these new apps to do. That's coming up after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. We are back now, coming up on 740, with our new series, AI Revolution, exploring the growing prevalence of artificial intelligence in the world around us. I have so many questions. So let's just get started. And we're looking today at the many ways this technology can make our lives easier, but also what we all need to know about its limits, too. NBC's Jake Ward is here with a real eye-opener. Okay, Jake, we need you to explain this to us. Guys, good morning. The list of AI-powered apps and tool seems to be growing by the hour. I know the feeling it's coming at us fast and they are built to help get us through our daily lives. But this tech is brand new and it's important to understand what it can and cannot do. From the moment we wake up to the time we power down. Companies are making AI tools for all parts of your day. Workout routines. Outfit ideas for the day. I'm going to go plaid. And with a list of ingredients from the pantry, tortillas, parmesan, lentils, crab stick, or just a picture of them, OpenAI's ChatGPT can tell you what to eat. All right, simple zesty quesadilla with crab stick. All right. Some companies are even using it to try to save you money. Tell me how much AI has changed things. AI has leveled up. Um, what you can do by 10x. Joshua Browder is the founder of Do Not Pay, which has helped people challenge parking tickets and predatory subscription fees for years. Now, the company is sicking AI on your bills. So I am watching a robot-on-robot battle right now. Exactly. His AI battles an AI customer service agent and then wears down the human one to fight for significant savings. $100. We went from a $20 discount to a $100 discount in seconds. Even as the creator of the technology, sometimes I'm surprised. I'm surprised (laughs) by how well this is going. The same system can even fight medical bills. We saved a consumer $8,000 yesterday. But this is not an all-knowing answer machine. It's brand new glitchy technology that critics like former Google AI researcher and current Signal president Meredith Whitaker says only imitates human expertise and human taste. This isn't intelligence. This is basically a sort of warped mirror of what's on the Internet for the last 20 years. And as she points out, just because AI can imitate us doesn't mean we should do what it says. I think our being easily fooled by them are feeling impressed that like, wow, a robot sounds human is not enough of a basis on which to trust these systems. Trust is the big issue here. Microsoft is working ChatGPT into its search engine, but it makes it show its work. 
So when the answers come back, people can have confidence to say, well, where did you source that data? Why are you giving me this answer? Because this is all one big public test. Ultimately, the only way you'll really know how to go ride a bike is to get on the bike with training wheels in the safety of your driveway and go slow. Browder says he has to rein ChatGPT in because, well... The AI lies a lot. And it will say things like, I've had three internet outages in the past 24 hours. And that's not true. And that's not true. Even the quesadillas were a little, well, weird. It's not good, but it's not bad. (laughs) AI is about to speed up what we can get done in a day. But living with AI isn't just an experiment for us. It's an experiment on us as well. So, uh, you know, you guys, it is a really big moment. It's all happening right now. The AI is coming at us really fast. And it's really important for us to figure out how this stuff works so we know whether to bring it into our I have. I just really don't understand this. Like, I really don't understand. (laughs) I'm like, how to get it out? Where do you go? Where is it? How do you get on chat GPT? So basically, there are a million. How do it do? That's right, right, Al. How do it do? do do? Basically, there are so many different apps coming at you right now. You can go on to OpenAI's site and start playing around with chat GPT now. And there are all these apps right now that have basically put a little wrapper on the front of what is basically one big piece of AI. And that piece of AI has basically, as you heard there, learned from about 20 years of data on the internet. It's everything we've ever written on the internet. It is learning to mimic all of that. It's so scary. And as a result, it sounds, it like, sounds a... like a genius, but it's really just a parrot. But how, how is it learning? Is it is it just so, consuming all of that information? Yeah, about for... three or four years ago, these new technological breakthroughs happened that allowed you to basically pour an incredible amount of internet writing through it so it would pick up the patterns in it and say, oh, when someone says this, they tend to go on to say this. Uh. And that is why this thing behaves it's in like such weird ways. It's algorithmic. It's very, very smart on very, very specific topics. But then it gets weird once you start getting deep into playing around. So with it makes sense stories. if you can. Yeah. I, was, I was asking Savannah during your piece. I thought, okay, so if my kids have an essay, or if a kid yeah. has a oh, college yeah. entrance essay, high school entrance essay, oh yeah, you it'll know. bang that out in seconds. In under, and a they second, don't have to write, write any it. of those things. That's right. In theory, they don't have to write it. Now, it's important for any kid watching this right now and their parents to know that there's also software that a teacher will use that will Correct. show them that will recognize that that has happened. So you shouldn't necessarily get into that. You know, the bigger thing here, right, is just that, like, what part of our lives are we ready to let this thing into? Now, it can suggest recipes for you, no problem. But, you know, Google is currently working on a system that would begin giving you medical advice. Are we ready for that world? You know, and by their own estimation, they say it is sometimes incredibly reliable, but there are some areas of bias and other pieces of factual information where it's not as accurate. So it's just a big experiment on all of us Uh, happening right now. On the medical piece, though, is it true that, that there's AI that is either currently capable or soon to be capable of telling a person that they have cancer? Well, so that is one of the things that AI can be great at, right? So one thing that I think about in thinking about the stuff and writing a book about it and so forth is it's great at really specific tasks. So one of those tasks, for instance, is if you show it a picture of a mole on my back, it is great at predicting it whether or not that mole is going to turn into skin wow. cancer or not because it's been trained on a million photographs of other things. It's in fact better than humans are wow. at doing that thing. But are we ready to let it then, you know, diagnose you on all kinds of things mm. or give you psychiatric advice or mm. give you legal advice? Mm, are we there yet, you guys? I don't know, because we don't have any rules in this country about that stuff, except around some very specific medical things. So it's a wide open world. And these companies have deployed this 
stuff very, very quickly. And by their own admission, they're basically testing it out on us to figure out <laughs> but how Jake, to make it. Just real quick, because I, I I saw Megan. What what is it possible that the AI gets smarter than the humans? Like we're ahead right now. Isn't sure. that like the big horror story? I mean, that story is the big horror story. Premise? It certainly is what everybody talks about, right? Is that Terminator moment? Skynet yeah. becomes you can't turn it off, blah, blah, right? Yeah. I think yeah. that the most immediate thing, the way that experts that I'm talking to are, are worried about, is not so much that it becomes self-aware and enslaves us all. It's that it somehow makes us give up really essential human skills and human qualities. That That we're going to stop getting paid to write legal documents and stop getting paid to write term papers and the rest of these things that, that, you know, have been an intrinsic part of being What makes the human spirit human. That's right. And we do not currently in this country have a system for protecting that stuff against this kind of technology that can impersonate. This is as promising as it is scary. That's exactly right. It takes humans to solve that tricky problem. There we go. I trust the three of you. Right? I don't know. guys working on it. Well, no, smarter humans. I'm like, hold my hand. We're going to need better humans. And Jake, thank you very much. Really thought provoking. Al, do you understand? Oh my God. Well, I asked the AI if, uh, you know, for a little medical thing, it said, hey, lose weight. I said, I'm going to want a second opinion. Is that all right? You're ugly. Hey, hey. <laughs> AI. It sounds a lot you like Rodney, Rodney Dangerfield. I don't understand. Wait, yeah. what do you, you know? I mean, what do you do? AI came up to me with a, he's kind of tried to rob me. I said, hey, what are you doing? It's kind of a, a little bit of a amateur job. You know, I knew had butter on the knife. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> anyway, uh, the Sierra Spring flood threat. That's uh, Southern oh. Sierra snowpack, the largest recorded in history. This is great news for the reservoirs, but bad news as we start to see temperatures warm up. Central Valley flood danger. The melting snow could cause severe flooding along the King River, the San, uh, the San Joaquin, the Tulumne River, or even down to the Kern River. In fact, NOAA has released its spring outlook. Moderate flooding likely from Yosemite this spring all the way down to Bakersfield. So we're going to be watching that. Take a look at the temperatures today. Kansas City, 64 degrees. You don't need AI to tell you that's warm. Dallas, 81, 11 degrees above average. Boston, 48. Tomorrow, New York City, we're going to get to 64 degrees. That'll melt your chips. Uh, Jackson looking at 84, 13 degrees above average. Temperatures, though, staying mild. Look at this, 58 in New York, 64 on Sunday in Cincinnati. Cleveland, you'll be in the mid-50s over the weekend. And that is your latest weather. Guys. All right, we're going to laugh this morning. You know why? Oh, yeah. yeah who's here? Uh-oh. Keegan-Michael Key. He Oof. is here live this morning to tell us about giving a voice to a beloved video game character in that new Super Mario Brothers movie. But first, Giselle Bündchen opening up for the first time since her divorce from Tom Brady. Our exclusive look at her candid new interview with Vanity Fair. Then on Pop Star, the return of succession leading to a can't-miss Ferris Bueller reunion. When it comes to teaching kids and teens about money, practice makes perfect. That's where Greenlight comes in. With a debit card and money app of their own, kids learn to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest. Parents send instant money transfers, create custom chores, and automate allowance, while kids track their spending, set savings goals, and practice money skills they can use today and for life. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com podcast.